Hi, this is Nicole Hemsoff, editor of HPC Wire, here with today's edition of Soundbite, our regular interview series featuring researchers, thought leaders, and newsmakers in the world of high-performance computing. The CUDA 6 performance report has been released by the engineering team at NVIDIA and is now available. We'll talk about how some of the new elements in CUDA 6 are playing out, including the unified memory feature, and talk about real-world performance gains using CUDA 6 with Senior Product Manager for GPU Computing, Will Ramey. Hi, Will. Thanks for having me. Of course. So your CUDA 6 performance report has just been released by the engineering team there at NVIDIA. If you could, give us an overview of what this contains, and let's talk a little bit about what's happening with CUDA and HPC and, and this in general. Sure. So with each release of the CUDA toolkit, we provide an updated performance report to give developers an idea of the kind of performance they can expect when they upgrade to the latest release. Uh, and so this version of the CUDA performance report includes uh, some comparison of the performance of dynamic parallel kernel launches, which has uh, gotten some pretty good performance updates in this release. Uh, as well as updated performance data for all of our libraries, uh, which are one of the easiest ways to add GPU acceleration to your applications. Mm -hmm. And let's talk a little bit about those performance increases. Are we talking, you know, 1x, 2x? Give give us a sense of what that looks like. Well, so for example, with the dynamic parallel kernel launches, they're up to 2x faster. So two times faster means that, uh, say, you have some GPU code that calls our BLOSS library, and uh, that can now happen, the, the actual um, overhead, if you will, of launching a parallel kernel on the GPU is it's, it's twice as fast or half the overhead as the previous release. So it's a really significant performance improvement uh, for everyone who's taking advantage of that GPU-accelerated BLOSS library. Mm -hmm. And so for end users, let's say that maybe aren't uh, knee-deep in code or anything, what does this mean for their scientific applications, for instance? Well, it really depends on the application. So if their application is taking of this feature uh, in, in lots of different places, it could help the overall performance of their application tremendously. If they're not using this feature or they're only using it in a few places, then they might see a, a, a smaller improvement in their application. Oh, very good. Uh, so let's move on. Let's let's talk about some of the other performance enhancements and improvements that are part of CUDA 6 and, and what your findings have been there. Uh, sure. So, for example, um, one of the things that we like to do in each release of the performance report is to compare the GPU-accelerated versions of the libraries to some of the CPU-only equivalent versions of the libraries. This is the same, same functionality uh, just the difference is that uh, one library has GPU acceleration and, and the other one doesn't. Uh, and so one of the diagrams in the performance report uh, shows that over a range of different matrix dimensions, the ZGEM, one of the more complex uh, matrix matrix operations in the CUDA BLOSS library, is five times faster than the latest version of the MKL equivalent. That's the Intel's math kernel library uh, running on, on their latest, uh, latest CPUs. Uh, mm -hmm. So you can see that if you have applications that, that take advantage of the BLOSS library, which includes a, a large number of uh, matrix multiplication and matrix vector operations, all the linear algebra operations that are widely used in scientific computing, you can really get some tremendous speed ups by taking advantage of this this drop-in library. 
Right, absolutely. And what does this mean for overall efficiency for some of these systems too? I mean, when people look at performance results, I mean, certainly those are tied to efficiency. Have you looked at any of those numbers or thought about that in depth? So the performance report doesn't go into the details of, uh, I assume you're talking about power efficiency there. Um, it doesn't go into those details because the power efficiency of each different uh, cluster, each different system it can vary widely depending on all of the different components used to build it. But one way to think about this is that if your application is able to complete its work significantly faster, then it uses much less power. So if you had an application that was previously taking eight hours to complete and you were then able to, by adding GPU acceleration or taking advantage of these libraries, um, complete that same amount of work in only two hours, then that means you're, you're getting basically uh, four times the performance or four times the uh, power efficiency to achieve the same amount of work. Right, absolutely. Uh, so moving on, let's, let's talk about some of the uh, new things that are in CUDA 6. I mean, there was obviously a lot of news about that over the last year and a lot of talk about it. One of these things is I'm going to go ahead and <laughs> go out on a limb and call this C-U-F-F-T-X-T. Yeah. <laughs> if you could pronounce that for us, our cuffed, I suppose, X-T. Uh, and describe a little bit about what you've found over the last year or so. Sure. So uh, we call the library QFFT or sometimes CUFT. And one of the new features in CUDA 6 is a new XT or extended version of the QFFT library. And uh, one, of the, one of the challenges that our developers have had in using uh, the, the Fast Fourier Transforms library or CUFT in their applications is that Oftentimes, the data, the size of the data that they need to perform a fast Fourier transform on is very, very large. And because an increasing number of uh, clusters and, and, and systems have multiple GPUs in each node, they'd like to be able to take advantage of all of the uh, GPU processor capability um, for that single FFT operation. Uh, and so the new capabilities that the XT version of QFFT introduces is the ability to automatically take advantage of multiple GPUs in the system for these large data sizes. It's a great time savings uh, for the developers because uh, previous to this they had to figure out how to break up their large data sets into smaller data sets and to perform multiple smaller FFTs and then combine the results afterwards. So this is a, mm -hmm. a great programmability improvement and you could, you could think of it in terms of programmer efficiency. Right, right. So what about general scaling here, performance scaling? I know that you have some, and we're going to go ahead and link to these slides here, uh, but let's talk a little bit about what your findings were there as well. Uh, so for performance scalability, one of the, the best examples to look at is uh, the KuBloss XT library. So just like the XT version of the QFFT library, there's a new XT version of the KuBloss library. And just like the FFT uh, their QFFT XT library, um, developers who have, or applications that have very large uh, data sets and need to perform linear algebra operations or BLAST operations on those data sets um, need to or want to take advantage of all of the GPUs in the system. And previously they had to do that kind of manually to break it apart into smaller pieces and then Run the, run the math operations on them and then combine the results back into a final result. Using the new Kublas XT library, 
they're now able to make a single function call on that very, very large data set and automatically scale the calculation across up to four, uh, four different K10, Tesla K10 GPUs, which each have two GPUs on them. So that's up to eight, uh, eight GPUs that are all working together on the same, uh, the same BLOSS routine. Right, uh, that's quite interesting. Uh, so if you could share with us what some of the pr uh, surprises were in your performance report. Um, I I'm sure that there were some positive ones and some negative ones and some lessons learned along the way. Can you share some of those surprising lessons? Um, yeah, that's a really interesting question. You know, one of the, um, one of the surprises that we ran into uh, along the way was actually with, with respect to the Kublas XT library, where um, usually in order to achieve what's called linear scaling, where basically adding one more processor uh, gives you, uh, you know, one more unit of, of performance, is a really difficult challenge. And um, just because there's communication overhead and, and, uh, and other challenges to overcome in the system, but in implementing and benchmarking the new multi-GPU performance scaling feature of the Kublas XT library, um, you can see this if you look at, at one of the diagrams in the performance report, there's basically linear performance scaling from two teraflops with one Tesla K10 to eight teraflops when you have four Tesla K10. And that's pretty much, mm -hmm. you know, it goes two teraflops for one, four teraflops for two, six teraflops for three, and eight teraflops for four. That kind of linear scaling is, is not something that you usually see. So that was a bit of a surprise, always a goal, um, but a, a bit of a happy surprise to have achieved that um, in the first release of this new version of the library. Mm -hmm. and, and what are some of the roadblocks that you've noticed that you need to work on for the next generation of CUDA? You know, that's a, that's a good question. One of the areas that we're always working on improving is the, the coverage. Uh, so, for example, one of the libraries that we have in the CUDA Toolkit, and I should mention that all of the libraries in the CUDA Toolkit and the CUDA Toolkit itself are available for free. It's, it's, you just go to the developer.nvidia.com website and click the download button. Um, but one of, the, one of the challenges that we have is in our NVIDIA Performance Primitives Library of image and signal processing uh, building blocks, if you will, that developers can use to um, combine together into higher level algorithms for image and signal processing. This library has uh, over 5,000 of these performance primitives already. Um, and in the CUDA 6 release alone, we added 500 new routines, um, including things like a median filter and um, a 3D lookup table for color conversion and things like that. Um, but the, the surprise here was that even with over 5,000 primitives in the library, we're continuing to get requests for more as developers combine these primitives together into more and more um, interesting and higher level algorithms. So um, mm -hmm. I think that's also a happy surprise, but it's a, it's a challenge area where we need to continue to uh, improve the scope of that library for all of the developers who want to take advantage of it. Mm -hmm. And no end in sight for that. There's not one solution that's ever going to be final there either. It's, I'm sure, ongoing. Exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. 
So uh, tell me a little bit about what the end user response has been to CUDA 6, and, and let's keep this balanced. I mean, certainly they have things that they're asking for beyond uh, what we just discussed there in terms of the demand for primitives, but uh, what do they like and, and what do they want to see more of in the future? Right. So one of the one of the really great things about CUDA 6, in addition to the, the new performance uh, that's delivered in the libraries and, and for the dynamic parallel kernel launches, is the introduction of unified memory. And so in previous releases of, of CUDA, developers, even when, even when they were first initially adding GPU acceleration to their applications, they had to actually think about where was their data going to be stored? Was it, was it in the CPU memory or was it in the GPU memory? And they had to manually add uh, instructions or functions to their code to move the data back and forth. With the addition of unified memory to the CUDA programming model, um, with CUDA 6 here, um, developers no longer have to worry about that um, as a functional requirement to get, get GPU acceleration in their code. Um, the CUDA runtime will automatically move their data from CPU me uh, memory to GPU memory and back again as needed. Um, if that in some cases, it will turn out to be a, a performance bottleneck. And if it does, the developer still has the flexibility to go in and manually schedule those data transfers ahead of time. But what we're seeing in feedback from developers that is that for a lot of cases, it's really not necessary for them to do that because it doesn't become a performance bottleneck. And so we've heard feedback from some developers that they've been able to remove uh, or not implement thousands of lines of code because of the introduction of this one feature, which dramatically simplifies the process of adding GPU acceleration to your application. It dramatically simplifies the code maintenance effort over time, because many of these application lives, applications live for years, if not decades. Uh, and so I think this is something where um, developers who maybe in the past looked at uh, programming GPUs or adding GPU acceleration to their applications and said, you know what, that's a little too complicated for me. Uh, I think I'll, I'll just wait or find something else. Uh, should really take another look uh, because it is dramatically simpler as a result of this new unified memory feature. Mm -hmm. I, I definitely know people are following that news. I remember when we broke that story, I think that broke some traffic records for us. People were certainly interested in that, so thanks for sharing. Uh, so what are they really excited about uh, right now with CUDA 6 that's new? Uh, what's really garnered the most interest in your opinion? I, you know, I think unified memory really is the number one feature of mm -hmm. the six release, uh, in addition to the new, the new uh, features in the libraries. Um, I should mention that for the libraries, one of the things that makes them really easy to use is that you don't have to learn how to program a GPU at all, right? These, these libraries are just like the CPU-only libraries that developers are accustomed to using today, uh, and there's a pretty um, complete collection of them included in the CUDA toolkit. All you have to do is you know, add them to your, your make file or your, your compile line linked to the library and call the functions of the library in the same way that you're calling uh, a BLOS library, either a netlib BLOS or an MKL BLOS today, or the FFTW library, which is widely used. Um, and it's basically just a drop-in replacement for those two libraries uh, that you might already be using today. And one thing I'd like to make sure all of your podcast listeners are aware of is that NVIDIA is hosting a live webinar with the CUDA engineering team 
on May 14th, so next Wednesday, uh, to go over the performance report in detail and answer any questions people might have uh, in that live forum. So I'd invite everyone to join us. You can go to the developer.nvidia.com website to sign up for that, and we hope to see you there. Will Ramey from NVIDIA, thank you very much for taking time today. Thank you, Nicole. And we'll definitely follow up again with NVIDIA at ISC. We'll be present at that and throughout the year, of course. Thanks, all of you, for listening, and we'll be back again tomorrow.